Hello, and welcome to the QUB GP Society podcast. This series is entitled Common Conditions in General Practice and is aimed at medical students. We will be discussing some of the most common conditions that you see in a primary care setting in terms of their pathology, presentation, diagnosis, and management. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can see all of our latest episodes and also check out our society on social media so that you can keep up to date with news and events. But for now, on to today's episode. My name is Radhika Galati and I'm the Education Officer of the Queen's University Belfast GP Society. Thank you for joining our podcast. Today's subject will be anemia. Anemia is defined as a condition where the haemoglobin concentration in an individual is lower than normal. In adult men, this is defined as a haemoglobin less than 130 grams per litre, and in non-pregnant women and children, the haemoglobin needs to be less than 120 grams per litre. Anemia is a common condition in the community, with the World Health Organization estimating that anemia affects almost a quarter of people worldwide. There are many causes of anemia, and these causes are broadly classified into three categories. Anemia due to impaired red blood cell production, anemia due to increased red blood cell destruction, or chronic blood loss. It is important to note that anemia is often multifactorial, and there is a lot of overlap in the etiology of this condition. Starting with impaired production, red blood cells arise from the myeloprogenitor cells in the bone marrow, and these differentiate into reticulocytes. Reticulocytes are immature red blood cells, and under the action of erythropoietin, androgens, and T4, enter the bloodstream, and after three days, become mature red blood cells. As a result, impaired production may be due to a problem with the bone marrow, for example, aplastic anemia or myelodysplastic syndrome. Equally, it may also be due to chronic kidney disease as there is reduced erythropoietin production and hypothyroidism is another cause. Iron, folate and B12 are important components in the red blood cell production process and deficiencies in these nutrients commonly lead to anemia and there are many reasons why these nutrients may be low in the body. For example, iron deficiency anemia may develop due to a low iron diet, malabsorption, secondary to celiac disease, or chronic blood loss. Equally, folate deficiency may be due to a poor diet, alcoholism, celiac disease, Crohn's disease, or some medications, notably methotrexate. Lastly, B12 deficiency may result from a poor diet, pernicious anemia, Crohn's disease, or patients who have undergone an ileal resection. Next, anemia may be due to increased red blood cell destruction. Red blood cells typically circulate in the blood for 120 days and then they're removed by the reticuloendothelial system, largely in the spleen and liver. There are many reasons why red blood cells may be destroyed. For example, 
red blood cells that are abnormally shaped, for example, in sickle cell disease, thalassemia and hereditary spherocytosis, are more likely to be destroyed. Destruction of red blood cells may also be mechanical, for example, if the patient has prosthetic heart valves, or it may also be autoimmune-mediated, such as in autoimmune hemolytic anemia, blood transfusion reactions, and recess disease. Lastly, patients may also have excessive blood loss, and the body in anemia is unable to compensate to meet this loss. Common causes of acute blood loss may include major trauma and surgery, whereas chronic blood loss is often more insidious, and causes may include benign or malignant gastrointestinal lesions, excessive gynecological blood loss, for example due to menorrhagia or postmenopausal bleeding, and parasites, such as hookworms. Patients with anemia are commonly asymptomatic, particularly if the decrease in haemoglobin concentration is small, and in these cases, anemia is only picked up on routine blood tests. However, among those patients who do exhibit symptoms, common symptoms of anemia include fatigue, shortness of breath, syncope, tinnitus, and headaches. In more severe anemia, cardiac output may increase to compensate for the reduced oxygen carrying capacity of the blood. This can lead to more severe symptoms, such as palpitations, angina, and in very severe cases, even left ventricular hypertrophy and heart failure. When examining a patient with anemia, the patient may appear pale. In darker skin, or in more subtle anemia, pallor may be more obvious in the palmar creases, conjunctiva, and oral mucosa. A full cardiovascular examination should be performed, where in severe cases, features such as a tachycardia, a flow murmur, and signs of heart failure may be observed. The examination of a patient may also indicate specific causes of the patient's anemia. For example, you may see cholinechia, where there is white discoloration of the nail bed, and this may be a sign of iron deficiency anemia. The patient may also have angular cheilitis, where there is fissuring of the mouth corners, and this is another sign of iron deficiency anemia. Equally, there may be jaundice, which is particularly well seen in the sclera, and this may indicate a hemolytic anemia. In thalassemia, there may be bone abnormalities such as frontal bossing and maxillary overgrowth. In B12 deficiency, the patient may have glossitis, where they have a beefy red tongue and neurological deficits. Lastly, in celiac disease, there may be bloating, muscle wasting, and you may see dermatitis hepatiformis, which is an intensely itchy rash commonly found on the scalp, knees, elbows, and buttocks. For people suspected to have anemia, blood tests should be arranged. A full blood count will show a low haemoglobin, and the mean cell volume can be used to classify the type of anemia by the size of the red blood cell and this helps to determine the cause. For example, microcytic anemia, where the red blood cell is small, is commonly caused by iron deficiency anemia, thalassemia, chronic disease, 
and in rarer cases, lead poisoning. In normocytic anemia, the mean cell volume is normal, and cause of anemia may include recent blood loss, bone marrow failure, renal failure, and pregnancy due to an increase in plasma volume relative to the increase in red blood cells. Lastly, macrocytic anemia, where the red blood cells are abnormally large, can be caused by vitamin B12 and folate deficiency, alcohol, cytotoxic medications, and hypothyroidism. Once the type of anemia is established, further tests can be performed to distinguish between different causes if there is no clear cause for the anemia. For example, iron studies will show a reduced ferritin and increased total iron binding capacity in iron deficiency anemia. Hemoglobin electrophoresis is useful in the diagnosis of thalassemia and sickle cell disease. Other tests that might be useful in determining the cause of anemia include celiac serology, liver function tests, for example, if you suspect a hemolytic anemia, thyroid function tests, and ESR. It's important to note that in adults over age 60, new onset iron deficiency anemia may be secondary to a gastrointestinal malignancy, and an urgent endoscopy should be arranged to investigate this. The following section will cover the management of anemia in primary care, focusing on the most common causes of anemia and is based on guidelines from the National Institute of Care and Clinical Excellence. Starting with iron deficiency anemia, one of the most common types of anemia in primary care, it's important to firstly address any underlying reasons for iron loss and rectify them. For example, treating a patient with menorrhagia with methanemic acid or the moranic oil or stopping NSAIDs in a patient. If the iron deficiency anemia is thought to be dietary in origin, you should advise the person to eat a balanced diet and ensure they eat iron-rich foods such as dark green vegetables, iron-fortified bread and red meat. If there are more severe nutritional concerns or the patient is having difficulty incorporating these foods into their diet, it'd be sensible to consider a referral to a dietitian. After addressing the underlying cause, NICE recommends that all patients with an iron deficiency anemia are prescribed 200mg of oral ferrous sulphate 2-3 to times a day. Blood tests for anemia should be repeated after 2-4 to weeks and we would expect the haemoglobin concentration to rise by approximately 2 grams per 100ml over 3-4 to weeks. Once haemoglobin concentration and red cell indices are normal, treatment should be continued for three months to replenish stores and bloods repeated every three months for one year. Other iron supplements that can be used include ferrous fumarate or ferrous gluconate. When prescribing these supplements, it's important to advise patients that they may have GI side effects, notably nausea, constipation, diarrhea, abdominal discomfort, and patients may notice that their stools turn black. These side effects, however, settle down with time, and adverse side effects can be reduced by taking iron supplements with food, or as a GP, you can reduce the dose if it is not tolerated, or prescribe a laxative if constipation is the issue. As mentioned previously, it's important to remember 
that iron deficiency anemia may be a sign of a gastrointestinal malignancy and those aged 60 and above should be referred under the two-week wait pathway for an endoscopy. Other patients that need to be referred to secondary care include patients with menorrhagia that's unresponsive to treatment, patients with anemia secondary to postmenopausal bleeding, those who test positive for celiac disease, profound anemia with signs of heart failure, and if a patient is unable to tolerate oral iron treatment. Next, going on to B12 deficiency, NICE recommends that patients should be initially assessed to see where there is neurological involvement from their deficiency. If there is neurological involvement, GP should seek advice from a haematologist. However, if the patient does not have neurological involvement, intramuscular B12 injections can be given three times a week for two weeks to replenish stores. If the deficiency is not thought to be diet-related, these injections should continue. However, if the patient's diet is the problem, the patient should be encouraged and supported to increase their intake of foods high in B12, such as eggs, fortified breads, cereals, meat, salmon and milk. Equally, if the patient has a folate deficiency, they should be prescribed oral folic acid for around four months and encouraged to eat foods high in folic acid, including asparagus, brown rice, broccoli and peas. It's important to note that B12 levels should be checked if a patient has folate deficiency, with the treatment for B12 deficiency being initiated before treatment for folate deficiency to prevent neurological symptoms. Patients in both cases should be referred to secondary care if they do not respond to treatment, the mean cell volume is persistently high, or there are signs of malabsorption or inflammatory bowel disease. Lastly, to finish, there are many other causes for anemia, and these should be treated by targeting the cause. For example, a gluten-free diet, if the patient has celiac disease, leading to malabsorption. As primary care doctors and generalists, it's important to seek advice and work in unison with specialists to provide the best care for patients. In summary, anemia is a common condition and there are a whole host of reasons why a patient may be anemic. This includes reduced red blood cell production, increased red blood cell destruction and blood loss. Patients with anemia are often asymptomatic but may suffer from symptoms such as shortness of breath and fatigue and in more serious cases, chest pain and palpitations. When managing anemia, it's important to look at the mean cell volume to classify the type of anemia and determine its cause. Treatment in primary care should be tailored towards the cause of anemia and may involve vitamin supplementation, providing dietary advice and working with specialists to carry out further investigations if a more serious cause of anemia is suspected. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you have any ideas, suggestions or feedback, don't be afraid to get in touch with us via email gp-soc at qub.ac.uk. 
Our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts are regularly updated with all the essential information from our society. Thank you for listening and goodbye.